by SAGPA, selected at random by numbers drawn from a hat. The questions were given to candidates one week ago, allowing time for research and a considered response. But the candidates do not know which of the questions they will be called upon to answer. You know, unlike the ambulance or the fire service, the mayor doesn't always have to respond to issues instantly. Candidates will have two minutes for their responses, and if there are any rebuttals, candidates, you have your rebuttal cards. <coughs> if there are um, any rebuttals, I will recognize the first three candidates that raise their rebuttal cards for a one-minute intervention. And candidates, please do stick to answering the question so that I don't need to help you refocus. <laughs> After that, we'll have a couple of SAGPA questions that the candidates have not seen in advance. I recognize the first candidate to raise their rebuttal card for a two-minute response, and after that, the first three that want to rebut for a one-minute intervention each. We'll try and get some quick-fire action going here just to make sure that the candidates could get you to a hospital or stop your house from burning down in case that's happening. Um, to get through this, the timing is extremely important. So candidates, please keep an eye on our timekeeper, Knud Peterson, who is a very important person. He'll be raising his hands for five seconds, uh, ten seconds, five seconds, uh, for fi uh, five fingers for five seconds. He will not be giving you the finger, so there is... <laughs> um, okay, now when that's finished, we'll have a short five-minute break. After the break, we'll have one hour for audience questions. Please direct your questions to one or a maximum of two candidates. You'll have just one minute to pose your question, so please keep it concise. If your question is to one candidate, we've allowed for a two-minute response time, and if it's directed to two candidates, each will have one minute for their response. And now, ladies and gentlemen, on with the show. And uh, Kay Adenayi, you have the floor, sir. Thank you. Check. All right. I'm Kay Adenayi, and I'm running for mayor. I, a little bit about myself. I, I work three jobs. I volunteer at the homeless shelter when I can. I run a small business myself, which I own. And uh, I'm a former student at the university taking political science. I see a different Lethbridge, a new Lethbridge, uh, a Lethbridge that I can call home, a Lethbridge where I would like to raise my family, a Lethbridge that I love and the reason why I'm still here. And I want you to join me in, in being your representative and being a listener to you, uh, if elected, of course, as the mayor. My website is a new leftridge.ca. We've laid out our platforms in, in, uh, in description about how we're going to help leftridge from uh, population to business uh, to recreation facilities and, uh, uh, and making sure that Lethbridge is the best city in, in Canada. Um, firstly, I would like to start with uh, businesses. I would like to see uh, more of a university and college graduates stay longer in Lethbridge 
uh, left Bishop to be a passerby city. You come here, do your time, and you leave. So I would like to uh, give incentives uh, to businesses who would hire graduate students so that that's more reason for them to stay in town because we spend a lot of time training them, and the last thing you want them is to leave. Uh, the other thing is to uh, really attract businesses to Leftbridge. Uh, we can see, example, Westside. Uh, thank God for Savon Foods now. Uh, Westside seems to be lacking a little more commercial infrastructure. Uh, so we'll be looking about giving uh, incentives so we can increase more commercial infrastructure uh, on the west side. Uh, with uh, the urban sprawl, I would like to see uh, multi-use development, uh, which is uh, a shop complex, uh, office space, and residential in one building. And uh, yeah, so October 18, vote for K for Mayor. Thank you very much. Dennis Carrier, you have the floor. Good evening. My name is Dennis Carrier. I'm a local boy. I was born and raised in the south end of town here. I was born two blocks to the west. You'll know where I mean. I was born in the Galt Hospital. Uh, I was educated in Lethbridge. Right after high school, I started my own business, and I've been working in Lethbridge in my own business for over 40 years. In that 40 years, I've had the opportunity to represent large international construction companies in their endeavors in southern Alberta by invite only. I don't know why they phoned me, but they said that I was referred to them, and I was pretty humbled, and I did enter into contract arrangements with them, and it was a good, pro good project for both them and I. Uh, over the years, uh, I had a large number of employees in Lethbridge. I think my payroll maxed out one time at 30 employees. Uh, volume of work uh, the last two or three years were in the millions. Uh, when you're carrying a large business with million-dollar contracts, uh, there's a lot of uh, people, with, you know, they've got million-dollar budgets working on different boards and stuff like this. But in my business, if I had a $5 million contract, there was one shoulder it rested on. And I had to make sure that it all came through to that end because it was on my shoulders, no boards, no governments. If I made a mistake, I had to bite it. But uh, I survived it. I'm here. Uh, other than my work, my uh, volunteers, I was on the Provincial Manpower Board. That was a political appointment. I was past president of the Lethbridge Kinsman Club for all through the presidency. Uh, I'm in my second go-round on the exhibition board. Uh, for 10 years, I was a major fundraiser for therapeutic riding, and uh, I would highly recommend that to anybody. It's a very gratifying nonprofit volunteer group. And right now, I'm uh, president of Lethbridge Municipal Railway, which I got to lean on my ugly sister. I call her the 1909 streetcar. But I bring to the table... Solid business, common sense. There's no I in the word team. I want a team approach. Uh, I want to keep things local. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to ask you just to finish your sentence. On October 18th, vote for Dennis Carrier. Okay, Rajko uh, <clears throat> Dodik, you have the floor, sir. Jeez, I, I thought after six years, Ray, people would remember it is Rayco. Hi, I am Rayco Dodik. I'm 58 years old. I was born in Yugoslavia. I arrived in Lethbridge with my parents on July 1, 1957. 
I received all of my schooling here. I attended the University of Lethbridge and graduated with a degree from there in 1978. In 1981, I graduated from law school. I married my wife, Amy, and we have two grown children. During my legal career, I appeared at all levels of court, including uh, the Supreme Court of Canada in Ottawa. Excuse me. I started retiring from my legal practice uh, in about 2002, and after my dad died uh, on my birthday, as it turns out, in 2004, I was reminded how grateful we were uh, that we had come to this country, and particularly to this city, and how good Lethbridge was and still is to my family and that maybe it was time to give back to the community. So what I did is I did run for alderman in 2004, and I was privileged enough to be elected as an alderman at that time. The only promise I made at that time was that I would work hard and diligently on your behalf and make the best decisions possible. I made the same commitment in 2007 and was fortunate enough to be re-elected. I have a strong work ethic. Uh, my honesty and ethical integrity is extremely important to me, and I have that reputation among my peers as well as the many judges that I appeared in front of. I believe in working collaboratively. I am not uh, uh, my way or the highway kind of person. I respect the, the opinion of others, but will not be swayed just to get along or to garner favor. I will stand firm when that is called for. And that describes the position that I've taken with interest groups and others who invariably lobby candidates during the election process. It is easy to make promises, but those promises are, uh, come with a cost. I'm not prepared to make a commitment during the election process that will uh, involve taxpayer monies. My commitment remains as it always has, to do the best that job that I can. The city is a large corporation. It has a budget of approximately $300 million. It is a huge corporation. My six years as an alderman will allow me to step seamlessly into the office of mayor. I don't have to learn a job. Please consider me. Thank you. Thank you, Reiko. And uh, Cheryl Mahaden. Sorry, we drew numbers to see who would go first in case you're wondering why we've skipped Mr. Frey. Um, being the mayor is about leadership. And I think if you were here yesterday, you saw that we have some excellent aldermanic candidates, many of whom are passionate and unafraid to be outspoken. The mayor's duty is to chair effective council meetings and get the best from this team. This requires experience and a track record of standing in front of the room being in charge, and I am undaunted by that challenge. My experience as a project manager, a committee chair, a business owner, and an adult educator has built exactly the skill set for this job as a council leader and an effective leader of the administration. We need a leader with business experience, but sometimes people with a business background get lost in the bureaucracy. However, people with too much bureaucracy in their background can't understand the business perspective. What we need is a balance between the two. I have a master's degree in business. I'm finishing my PhD in leadership. I chaired the School of Business at the Lethbridge College. I currently teach management at the University of Lethbridge. And for many years, I owned and operated a staffing business here in Lethbridge. My experience is the balance between business and understanding um, what is necessary for governance. Thank you. Thank you very much, James Frey. Thank you very much. My name is James Frey, and I'm running for mayor on October 18th. Like you, I want to see positive changes and a better Lethbridge. We need a community where, where children, like my 12-year-old daughter who's sitting in the back, and her classmates can have opportunities for the future. We need a, our city to tap into our city's expertise and knowledge 
instead of relying too much on excessive consulting. We need a city, a city council that, that has the political will to say, this is what the people want, how do we make it happen? I bring a broad range of experiences to the Mayor's Chair. I've worked for the provincial government, for Lethbridge College, for Lethbridge Family Services. Now I own and operate my own communications business. I even worked in the trades for a period of time. I help many local organizations, including Steps for Life and the Chamber of Commerce. I've made connections with individuals and organizations across the province and across the region. My only promise is that I will always listen. I've been door knocking now for three months, about 3,000 doors, hearing from you directly. My three priorities come from you. First, I will make sure that you get full value out of all your tax dollars. I'm not saying the city shouldn't collect taxes or spend money, but members of council need to watch every dime as if it came from their own pockets. We need to find ways to reduce our spending and lower the burden of high taxes and high utilities. My second priority is to make sure that you know what's going on. As a communicator, I know it's critical, critical to keep people informed when things, when, when, and, when, and let, allow them to speak when they have something to say. Council needs to be accessible and accountable at all times, not just when it's convenient. Your city council works for you, not for the administration. My third priority is to be Lethbridge's most enthusiastic ambassador. We also need a strong voice in dealing with our, our federal and provincial counterparts. And we need to work more closely with our neighbours in the county and across the region. I'm a lot like you, a regular taxpayer. Vote James Frey for mayor on October 18th. Thank you. Thanks very much. Chris Spearman. Hi. You may know me. My name is Chris Spearman. I've entered the running because of my experience as a citizen leader. After 18 years of service as a school board trustee and an advocate for citizens and taxpayers, I know this is the right time to step forward. My public service background includes taking on important issues that affect our citizens, like unfair gas prices, electrical deregulation, and local utility rates. My past experience includes overseeing multi-million dollar budgets at the school board and industry level. I have been a successful advocate for funding of new schools and major school renovations. All were completed on time and on budget. I understand the importance of fiscal responsibility. I'm confident, I'm confident in my ability to build up a foundation of trust and public accountability at City Hall. I know you are ready for change, change that will take us boldly into the future, an exciting future that we will create together. My platform is based on three key areas, experience, efficiency, and effectiveness. My strengths include 35 years of business and industry experience, 18 years of elected public school board experience, a successful track record of taking action on issues that affect us all. I believe in efficient use of financial and human resources, and I believe there should be a review and working with city employees to conduct a complete review of operations to identify opportunities for improved efficiency. In effectiveness, I believe in delivery of effective programs, services, and leadership to meet citizen and business demands as a top priority. My platform includes innovative and practical ideas for change. As mayor, my priorities would be to demonstrate that operational spending can be managed prudently. Taxation and utility rate increases should not be allowed to exceed the annual rate of inflation. 
I would ensure that we lobby external funding sources to maximize support for our capital priorities. On October 18th, please vote for Chris Spearman, your best choice for Mayor of Lethbridge. Thank you. Thanks very much. Now that brings us to the end of the um, statements from the candidates. We're now going to have questions. Now I would like to tell the audience, those at the back, I'm sorry we can't move the mics because the sound system is being pumped through the video conferencing equipment into the community room. So the sound is very sensitive. Otherwise they could stand up, but I'm afraid it's not possible. And I know that some of you can't see them too well, but... Uh, that's something we're going to have to put up with. There's something wrong with my mic. <laughs> yeah. Can't hear. Uh, are you saying you can't hear them? The mic's cutting in and out all the time. Um, okay. We've got. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Cheryl and I can try there. The, the Chris and I can switch back and forth. Uh, well, we have an IT man here, so oh. we'll let's let him do that. In the meantime, Knud, go ahead and, and ask the... Test. Knud, go ahead and let's get the numbers for the Number questions. Number five for K. Number five for K, okay. <laughs> Number four for Dennis. Number four for Dennis. Number six for Rayco. Number six for Rayco. Number one for James. Number one for James. Number two for Cheryl. Number two for and Cheryl. Chris gets to choose the last one. I'm guessing it's number three. <laughs> <laughs> we know that Chris Spearman can count up to six. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to stick with the same order of speaking. And Kay Adenayi, your question is, how would you direct the city's investment policy so that our tax dollars are wisely invested and that a repetition of the asset-backed paper fiasco is avoided? Thanks for that question. Uh, what I would do is I would ensure that the city invests in lower risk portfolios, uh, which would mean what we get in return would be lower, but it would be just be less risky. Uh, the important thing is to remember that it's not the city's money, it's the taxpayer's money. And we need to make sure we keep that safe by all means. Okay. Uh, yes, please, go ahead. Just to give a little bit of uh, a background, uh, from 1995 to 2009, the city received uh, $45.5 million on investments. Now, those investments come from monies uh, that were received either through taxes or grants and weren't immediately uh, uh, needed. So what you do is you invest it in uh, basically short-term accounts and earn some interest on it uh, to the benefit of taxpayers and ultimately, uh, that's exactly what occurred without uh, problem up until 2007. 
Asabac commercial paper hit uh, uh, many, many people. It was over around $35 billion that was uh, in Canada invested in Asabac commercial paper. But be that as it may, the city did realize that uh, uh, that the change to the investment policy would have been warranted, and in fact we did. Recently we passed the investment policy that uh, changed the already conservative policy to even more conservative, and essentially you're limited to now basically GICs and bonds uh, issued from the federal government to provincial governments, uh, municipal boards, and not only that, they have to be uh, rated by two uh, bond rating services, so it is very conservative now, and the change has been made. Okay, uh, I see one more intervention card there. Yes, go ahead, Dennis. Uh, in a little rebuttal of Mr. Dodick when he says we got $45 million in money we didn't need, then why are our taxes going up? That $45 million could have kicked the heck out of that. Yeah, James Fry, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, the new conservative approach taken is the right approach. However, uh, the failing didn't necessarily occur on the investment policy side. It occurred on the disclosure side. Uh, the, the city admittedly dropped the ball in terms of how it communicated the, that disclosure with the citizens. Uh, the failing is also with, with the, the, the agreement that was signed with National Bank. If um, $32 billion was lost across North America and we all knew about it, why was there a secret deal? Okay, thanks. We're going to move on to the next question. And the next question is for, uh, for Dennis. And the question reads, what is your position on the proposed performing arts centre? What is the latest cost estimate and how is it proposed to fund the facility? I think as it stands right now, the new community arts centre in downtown Lethbridge on the IJ site could be a gem for downtown Lethbridge and it would certainly be an attraction. But it has to be done in a controlled, responsible, well-planned out manner to blend with the neighborhood. It's right in the middle of a retail area. Uh, Dynasty restaurant might lose a lot of parking and I know they're not going to be able to park in Park Place Mall or any of the uh, retail areas around it. The uh, last figures I saw, which could have may change by now as the federal government was going to go in for six million, provincial for six million, and the city a minor two hundred thousand. And that's only the first phase for the art center for the new budget, what I think I think is included in the CIP grant. But ten years down the road, the idea from what I take it is they're going to build the new Jubilee Auditorium type thing over top of what they're going to build in the next two or three years, which in construction I kinda I would like to really look at the blueprints. Okay, Rayco, go ahead. You want to intervene? Yes, thank you. Uh, the question was in relation to the Performing Arts Centre, not the Community Arts Centre, which was a project that had been on the books for literally uh, decades and is primarily grant-funded. In terms of the Performing Arts Centre itself, the budget is around $75 million, but this is an unfunded project. It does not appear in the CIP, the last 10-year CIP, other than a potential future project uh, as are others, like multi-leisure centers and other ones. So it's unfunded, it's not committed, and in terms of what's happening with it, in 2011, 
the committee tasked with it uh, or, or is uh, with respect to obtaining funding sources is going to come back uh, before council and let us know how much private contribution, how much federal, how much provincial contribution, how much endowments might be available. So the question really be, will be is if, for example, feds and the, uh, if the federal government and the provincial government are prepared to contribute 100 percent of the capital and operating costs, then the decision becomes uh, a little bit easier. If they're not, then there have to be a, a large dialogue in terms of whether it ever will be built. Okay, thanks. Uh, Chris Banton. Well, I, I believe uh, there is a lot of money going already to fund the arts. And uh, I'm, I'm a supporter of the arts, but I think in terms of the Performing Arts uh, Centre, that's a significant dollar budget. Uh, so, hello? Okay. Uh, it's a significant dollar budget. What I would, what I would suggest is that we create a, a fund. I would call it uh, a legacy fund. There are people who believe in the performing arts. I don't know. We have an IT man there, and unless you're IT experts, so I suggest you let him do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's something about where go I'm ahead, sitting. Go ahead. If it okay. works, Can go I start ahead. again? Okay. So what, what I'm thinking is we ought to create what I'd call a legacy fund. People, in, in Edmonton, you have a performing arts center called the Windspear Center because somebody gave $25 million bucks. okay? So we probably don't have those kind of dollars around here. But maybe there's people that will give $1 million or $2 million. So we create a legacy fund, and then we create what we call Legacy Hall. And so Legacy Hall would have pictures on the wall of the people that made significant donations, just like when you walk into the Lethbridge College and you see the Wall of Fame. And that way we recognize those people and we, wind, we, we have a pool of legacy funds that fund the Performing Arts Centre and it doesn't come out of taxpayer, local taxpayers' funds. So if we have those dollars on hand, we're more likely to get matching funds from somewhere else. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Okay, I see no... I see no more candidates wanting to intervene on that question. Sorry. Who is? Sorry. Fine. So if you hold it up, then I'll be able to see it. Thank you very much. Okay. Go ahead, Cheryl. Thank you. I think what we have to be cognizant of is that this argument seems to be reduced to a financial equation, and building a performing arts centre is not just about the finances. It's about a needs assessment in this community, a market assessment in this community, what sort of um, economic impact this facility is going to have. And so when the report comes back, which isn't, as Reiko pointed out, until fall of 2011, we need to factor in all of those other considerations as well. Thanks very much. Now we move on to the third question, and that is for Reiko Dodik. And the question is, do you believe the council should be involved in plans for the development of the Old Man River watershed? If so, what action would you propose in respect of clear-cut logging? When I picked the number of the hat, I had a series of numbers which were my favorites, and this was my least favorite. <laughs> but, but, but that happened three years ago. But it's not because the issue isn't important. It is obviously very important. And the city of Lethbridge does consider it important, uh, and they uh, consider it important enough to be a member of the Old Man Watershed Council. For many years, Bar uh, Dr. Barbara Lacey was a member of that council, and now Alderman Jeff Carlson is on it. 
Now, the city's uh, potable water supply is really dependent in large measure uh, with the flow that comes from the headwaters of the old man, things of that nature, and there are all sorts of issues that have arisen in terms of uh, providing adequate supply, not only with, with respect to uh, issues of uh, licensing of water, but also uh, people, uh, something as more uh, mundane as ATVs and dirt bike uh, riding on those, uh, on the various uh, trails, not trails so much, but in the mountainous areas as well as cattle drinking from the water. So what you're getting is erosion, you're getting silt uh, uh, getting into the water. So it is, it's becoming a potential problem. So the question is, as was posed, was uh, what does the city council intend to do about it? And they are doing uh, things about it. They are, in fact, taking a positive, proactive role to make sure that the environment and that the water supply remains good, consistent, and potable for everyone. In terms of uh, clear-cut logging, and that is part and part of the equation as well. So anything that affects the uh, water basin or the headwaters, uh, we are very interested in and will lobby appropriately to make sure that the water is not affected. And that's not only for our community, but for communities upstream and downstream as well. Thanks very much. James Wright. I think it's a question of doing more than just lobbying proactively. We actually need to lobby effectively and consciously with the Minister of Sustainable Resources and ensure that we do not or they do not allow clear-cut logging. Forestry is very important to, to, to Alberta. That's granted. That's, that's without a, what a given. But we need to be sure that our, that our water supply is protected. We only have the Old Man River. We cannot rely on any other water source. So we have to protect that with all every power that we possibly can. And if that means shutting down logging in the, in the, uh, um, at the headwaters of the old man, then we have to do that. Okay. Thank you. Dennis Carrier. I don't know whether all of you are aware, but that's my backyard. I grew up there. Our watershed that goes by in our coulee right now is from what they call Slacker Ridge Street West of Nanton to the Logan Pass. Every drop of snow that melts and ice in that large area goes right by our thing right here. And now right now there's three logging contracts from Castle River going up and I think it's up to the city we have to keep a close eye on that. That's our water and 10 years down the road as we grow we're going to need that water and more. Thanks very much. No more interventions so we will move on to the next question. And that question is for, um, <clears throat> for Cheryl Mahaden. And the question reads, it is widely perceived that city administration drives council rather than the reverse that is envisaged in our system of governance. What would you do as mayor to ensure that council addresses the issues that the electorate consider important? Well, um, this is uh, one of the top three priorities for my campaign, and I think it boils down, first of all, to communication and enhancing that. So as part of my investigation, I went and talked to folks at City Hall and said, why is there this issue? And they really identify that this issue exists, and they say that they are doing things to try and combat that. And I think you see some of that. You know, they've come out with a City Excellence magazine, and the mayor has a column in the paper, and, and they're trying um, but perhaps unsuccessfully. 
And so what I would do is I would change that approach from cheerleader, which is what a lot of these publications are, to you know less cheer and more leader. And how I would accomplish that is by getting some strength from the aldermanic candidates. There is strength in numbers. And getting um, or posing opportunities to communicate uh, through town halls, open debates, um, published results of voting, uh, utilizing the city website, and so on. And also, I'm really hoping that we get an excellent slate of aldermanic candidates, because as a team, we need to ask better questions of City Hall, and we need to understand uh, the information that we're being given, because information is easily manipulatable. And I think right now, part of the problem on council is that there are too many retired public servants and not enough representation from other sectors. Reiko, you have the floor, sir. Thank you. Um, over the last two terms, uh, what happens shortly after an election is that uh, council gets together uh, in a retreat format and they come up with a policy document because we are a governance board. And what that means is we create a list of uh, goals and policies that we would like to see uh, established or dealt with during the term, our term. And the document that was established for 2007-2010 towards a sustainable future is that and lists uh, uh, nine various goals and includes things like affordable housing and things of that nature. And so what happens is administration is given their marching orders and told this is, these are the priorities of council, these are the policies we want implemented. And towards the end of the term, a progress report is provided and that's uh, occurred recently as well. And that's with respect to the towards a sustainable future. Now, in, in terms of where we find out what priorities are, before the operating budget uh, comes into play, what we do is we do a statistically, uh, we do a poll, a survey that is statistically accurate and tells us what the people would like to see, and that's how we base our decisions. Uh, Chris Spearman. It does take a strong leader. Uh, and the, the leader has to get a consensus from council so that there's uh, a strong message coming to administration. So that's the purpose of the mayor, is to get the people on council to come up with one central position. Issues come before council and people express diverse views, but at some point we have to come to a consensus and direct administration so there's not confusion. You have to have people with a strong business background. I think there does have to be balance and there hasn't been enough people with a, with a strong business background on council in the past. I think uh, that administration should be coming to City Council with options rather than recommendations, mm -hmm. options with pros and cons, and then the people sitting around the table should weigh up those pros and cons and have the discussion and come to the consensus. When you're coming to City Council with recommendations, there's a built-in bias, and, uh, and that, that's hard for uh, some people who are elected to council to get, get past. So uh, I think it all has to be based on a series of options and choices, and then council comes up with the, with the consensus that's best for the citizens. Okay, thank, thank you. you. James Fry. Openness in council decision-makings has been an, an issue at elections even long before this one. Eighteen years ago, for anybody that was watching, following municipal politics then, we saw the other side of the spectrum. We saw a lot of bickering and infighting and, and arguing amongst council members actually quite openly. And I think the reverse is now the true. We have, we, we have the opposite, and that's not a good... We need a balance between the two. We need to have effective decision-making. We need to have effective questioning of city administration. We need to get questions and information earlier 
Uh, right now, City Council gets, gets their information package about four days before they're actually supposed to make the decision. And I think we need, to, we need to have that information flow a lot sooner so they have a lot more time to research and ask the right questions. What I would like to see is City Council actually ask a lot harder questions in Council of Administration. We don't see that right now. We see a lot of what they call puffball questions. And they're getting puffball answers. And what result is puffball decisions. Okay, thanks very much. We've had three interventions on that one. The next question is for James Frey. And your question, sir, is, are you in favor of a third bridge between East and West Lethbridge? Or do you feel that more commercial development in West, in West Lethbridge and better public transport could eliminate the need at least for the next five to ten years? Well, the third bridge is going to be much farther than five to ten years away. Uh, we're looking at at least ten, probably ten to twenty years before we see a third bridge. Right now, the provincial government has not has not allowed funding for a third bridge, so we're not going to be getting that. So we would have to pay the whole shot ourselves. And that could be anywhere from two to three hundred million dollars. Not to mention three or four years of digging up the river valley and having to rely on possibly, uh, you know, diverting water, diverting a lot of other things down there. Do we want to pay that cost? That's a pretty substantial cost. What I would like to see is much more west side development, much fat and, and on a faster track than it is right now. The current west side development has been basically built on an attitude of if we build it, they will come, and that's not enough. That's not attracting. Uh, that's not a competitive enough attraction for business to come here. Um, we need to offer lower taxes, lower utility rates that will actually bring them here. If Edmonton, uh, Red Deer. Um, Medicine Hat is offering lower, lower tax rates and lower utility rates. Those are the, going to be the places that are going to get the business. Lethbridge is not, so we're not going to see west side development or a very slow west side development, which is what we've had. We, what, sorry, West Lethbridge is basically treated like a bedroom community in its own city, and it has been for the last 30 years. And we need to stop that, and we need to start seeing much more development. I know the city does not, cannot control whether or not a business comes here, but they can certainly create the environment that makes it easier for a business to come here. Thanks very much. I recognize Rayco first. Uh, I'll deal with uh, Westside Development first. Uh, in Lethbridge, we don't have a business tax, as many other communities do. Uh, also, the, the mill rate is split in most communities between residential and, say, uh, commercial. Our uh, commercial rate is uh, well below Calgary's. We're in about the 2.34 times the uh, residential rate. What that means is that makes it very attractive for businesses to locate in Lethbridge. We also make land available uh, for commercial uh, use in Lethbridge, uh, on the West Lethbridge, and through Economic Development Lethbridge, we do everything we can to encourage it. And we can't force anyone to build. We're happy when they do, but we've uh, made sure that there are no taxes, and we made sure that the property taxes they pay are reasonable compared to uh, other uh, cities. In terms of the cost of the bridge, I personally had discussions with a minister and a senior official uh, who did indicate, in fact, that they were not prepared to contribute. Taxpayer cost, if Lethbridge paid for it, is a uh, 13% tax increase for 25 years. Okay, thank you. I recognize Kay. Thank you. Um, Firstly, I do agree that we don't need a third bridge yet. I'm in favor of it, but uh, I don't think we need it quite soon. 
however, I would like if uh, tax incentives for businesses to want to move to the west side. It's an attraction, again, as Freya mentioned earlier, to want them to want to build on the west side. Also, I would like to give, uh, to increase more people who want to take public transit and actually drive. And with that, we can actually reduce uh, more cars going on the other side uh, of, of, of the city. That's why we released a Telluride system, which would allow you to call the bus ahead of time to figure out when the next bus is coming, rather than wait. And with such program, would encourage more people to want to take the bus, and with this, reduce the amount of cars on the road and reduce congestion. Okay, thank you. Chris Bamman. Well, I think there's a lot of frustration on the west side, and I, and I believe that frustration is going to continue. By the time uh, this three-year term is up, uh, the traffic uh, levels are, are going to be... Can this sound system be fixed, please? Please. Uh, uh, we really uh, do need the sound system working, please. Sorry, Cheryl, about that. Thank you. Yeah. You do get a bit more visibility yeah. that way, however. I see you're pretty quick on that one. <laughs> I, I believe the frustration levels are building on the west side, and we are... Uh, we do we do have the two bridges, but when there when there is uh, severe winter weather or if there's uh, maintenance on a bridge, to basically force the whole west side to go over one bridge is uh, is creating a lot of stress. I think the priority of this council has to be to lobby the provincial government to move up uh, to participate in the funding. And uh, I can't I can't see a, a, a West Lethbridge MLA getting elected in uh, in three or four years without some further dollars coming to assist us to get another bridge. So our job as city council is to uh, move up the timeline by lobbying for more money so that we will get a bridge in. Uh, uh, Shortly after, I would say if we won't get it in this term practically, but maybe in the next term. So uh, our job is to build the approaches and be ready, and then when the funding comes, we'll build the bridge. Thanks very much, Chris. I was actually going to ask you to stay in the seat because the next question is from you. We've had three interventions on that already, Cheryl. So, uh, Chris uh, Spearman, the next question is for you. And the question reads... Thank you. <laughs> my word you can see how it's going to happen in council with these two there okay so Lethbridge has grown enormously over the last decade house prices have doubled property taxes have increased an urban sprawl is spreading at the perimeters of the city. Is the physical growth of our city uh, out of control? I would what say is your vision mm -hmm. for the city of Lethbridge okay. over the next decade? Okay. I would say our growth is not out of control. I think uh, I'm proud of our city and I believe our neighborhoods are planned. I think we have one of the best home builders associations in Canada, if not the best and they're committed to building quality homes. Uh, growth is a natural thing. Uh, there's a phenomenon where people, people want to buy new homes for whatever reason, and uh, 
They, they like the latest and the greatest. Uh, the old homes are actually going down in value. So uh, homes that are 20 and 30 years old, are, you know, there's, I think, over 600 homes on the market, but people want to buy brand-new homes. I would say we still have room for growth, and I, I, I like the way that we plan our neighborhoods, that we have parks and uh, in those areas that are... You know, we don't have any neighborhoods in this city, any new neighborhoods that you'd be embarrassed about. You know, I think we're proud of our city in the way that it's grown. So... Uh, I don't see urban sprawl as a problem. I see the city getting larger. I think we have to expedite the way uh, citizens uh, travel. We have, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about the way we tend to impede traffic rather than uh, allow traffic to flow. And I think we need to look at alternative means of uh, transportation and encourage that. So bicycle uh, traffic, uh, uh, better transit routes, those types of things. Uh, so I don't think we have a serious problem with urban sprawl like a city like uh, Calgary does. But uh, I think we have to keep our eye on the ball and keep making sure that every neighborhood that we create is well planned. And I have every confidence that we'll be able to do that. Thank you. Okay. So who disagrees with that? Who wants to rebut? Dennis Carrier, I recognize you, sir. Home Building and Lethbridge is one of the, the contractors in the Home Builders Association with the largest employers in Lethbridge. And uh, they add a lot to our community and we'd be hard pressed without them. Uh, the thing that concerns me is uh, my phone has been ringing since I dropped my uh, nomination on uh, existing landlords and homeowners that have vacancies that they've never had before. The college just opened, I think it was a three or 400 unit thing, which really took a lot of renters off the market. Uh, so as far as low cost housing, more housing goes, I think we're maxed out. The rents are gonna to have to come down so that these units can be occupied. We still build upwards of 600 houses, new houses a year. But uh, I, these two suits I've got are about the only thing that don't have sawdust on them. So I was going to build some houses this winter, but my real estate agents recommended that I didn't because we're pretty well maxed out. There's uh, six, 700 listings, never mind the new houses. I think it's something that uh, we're going to have to watch really close, and I really feel for our housing association because they've got a hard, hard decisions to make ahead of them. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, Cheryl, you have the floor, madam. I think uh, population is a bigger problem than uh, we are recognizing it to be. In 2009, the city commissioned a report from a company called Urban Futures, and they predicted our population growth would be what it is right now in 2018. And uh, it's supposed, the prediction was that it was going to grow by just over 1%, and in fact it's growing by over 2%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that means our population is going to double in 30 years. And if you live on the west side, which has the highest growth, it's uh, projected to double in 20 years. So if we don't start uh, rethinking how we plan those communities um, and what sort of uh, services we're going to be able to make available in them, then we will have a multiple um, or exponential problem than what we have now. Okay. Thank you, Gerald. James Frey. The, the problem with growth, and, and whether you call it urban sprawl or just, just natural growth of a city, is um, it creates a whole multitude of other things. And, and really the nature behind it is our, our request or our need to have single-family detached homes. 
And what that causes is it causes more land to be purchased, it causes longer transportation routes, it causes longer transit routes, which decreases ridership, which causes a whole circular thing that we need to, we need to address. And really the nature behind uh, the whole decision behind building a single family home is a behavior. And maybe we need to offer other options or present other uh, availability for people. Um, but really we, we must get to the nature, what, what is the need for the behavior? Um, and is that the city's role or is it the city's role to provide options for, for people that they can actually uh, go to, like having more multifamily housing, like having more options for them. And that's going to mean um, reducing taxes and reducing things that people can actually access so they can buy these places. Okay, thanks very much. So that finishes the advanced questions that the um, candidates were given. We're now going to move on to a couple of questions that the candidates have not seen the questions before. And I'm going to recognize the first to raise their uh, rebuttal card to answer the question. And then after they've finished their answer, um, the first three other candidates want to rebut what has just been said. First question is, in 2004, the Lethbridge Police Service took over the policing of Coaldale and became the Lethbridge Regional Police Service. Now its headquarters are on First Avenue South are too small and are in need of expansion. Do you believe that the policing of our city is adequate or do you feel that it's overstretched? Yes, Rayco. Thank you. Uh, when Chief Tom McKenzie last uh, uh, presented to council, he uh, indicated that the level of policing service was uh, certainly adequate. Uh, with respect to Coaldale, that's on a cost recovery basis, so I just want to make sure that everyone knows that uh, that's the case. But uh, they were stretched uh, to the max in terms of the, their uh, existing facility, and that's why the CIP includes uh, an expansion of it. And from a prior study, it actually had been predicted that the, this is about the time that we should start planning that new structure. It should also be noted that part and parcel of that is going to be uh, built, but it's not going to be needed uh, to, by the police immediately. So what is going to happen is the spaces that aren't needed by the police will be used by either community groups or other city departments that could use them as and as the police need them they will vacate it okay nobody wants to rebut that okay yes all right Cheryl I think that um, there's certainly benefits from having the economies of scale when you've added um, the facilities for a regional police service but when I met with the um, police association they told me that one of the reasons that this building is needed is not because they want to take police officers off the street but because of all the new requirements and regulations and rules and officers that have to be in place in management positions to deal with all that so that's creating um, something beyond their control and something that has to be supported whether or not uh, we agree with the number of bodies that that takes to happen. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dennis Carrier. This is a little bit dear to my heart. I've got a 16-year-old son or a 16-year uh, policeman as a son. And uh, we're going to have a new expansion to the downtown police station. I think I would be more in favor of as our city grows, we're going to need satellite police stations. 
one on the west side wouldn't hurt. At one time, uh, I, me and a few subtrades, we donated in the old Greyhound building a satellite station for the downtown pedal bicycle guys. My subtrades came in and we did that with our leftover materials and that. And it operated, I think, in there for two years. But as our city is growing as fast as it is, as with our fire department, I think we have to look at the west side and get, rather than put an addition on the main building, maybe another addition on the west side would be more beneficial to the taxpayers. Okay, thanks very much. If there are no other interventions, we'll move on to the next question. The next question is, several cities in Alberta employ an environmental manager who would inter alia assist council by developing policies and plans to progressively move towards the use of renewable and sustainable energy. Are you in favor of creating such a post for Lethbridge? James Frey. Yes, I've met with the environmental groups as well, and they're, they're highly in favor of uh, actually having an advisory council which would advise that manager in terms of goals. We've, we've looked at seeing, and seen what, what Medicine Hat has done in terms of their environmental and energy program, and they, and they actually have a, a very comprehensive strategy in terms of leading their city uh, forward in terms of environmental programs. Now, we can't compare Lethbridge and Medicine Hat because they have a much different uh, arrangement with their uh, public utility and their, their sources of energy, but we can certainly model some of their, some of their uh, actions. Um, they have a one-stop office that offers all their uh, environmental programs, and it's a very coordinated effort, much, much unlike uh, what we have right now, which is a very not coordinated effort. Uh, we have different departments doing different things at once, and it's, it's not very structured, and it doesn't follow an end goal. Really, it's just a little pieces and pieces put together. Thank you. Uh, Reiko, you have the floor, sir. Yes, uh, a few years ago we did have uh, a person uh, that was dedicated to dealing with environmental issues and uh, it, it was determined at that time that uh, it wasn't working out that well. And of course there's a cost associated to that as well. So what's been happening uh, is that in fact every department uh, has their own environmental initiatives and what we do is control it through the recently passed uh, plan that I had earlier uh, referred to. And in fact, our uh, waste uh, and recycling services recently won an award, an environmental award, uh, in relation to uh, their in environmental initiatives. So it, there are different ways of dealing with the same issues. The city tried it uh, one way. Uh, it didn't work for them. Medicine Hat tried it uh, one way. It worked for them. It doesn't mean that uh, either is uh, preferable to the other. Thank you. Chris Beaman. Well, in my platform, I'm really concerned about cost controls, so, uh, and I'm also concerned about the environment. Uh, I would uh, look at, uh, we'd have to come up with some savings in other er areas before we begin hiring additional people. So I'm not opposed to the idea, but uh, until we generate some operational savings, because I think operating costs have uh, escalated dramatically in, in the last six years, and I think we have to get operating costs under control first, and then we'll look at uh, implementing new programs. But my platform is that we review operating costs in the first 180 days if I'm elected, identify possible savings, and then we can move forward with new programs. Thanks very much. Cheryl Mahaden. The goal of the uh, current um, environmental position of the city is to be compliance oriented. So as long as we don't break any rules and um, end up 
um, getting fined or in court, then that's that's the goal. And that's really a minimal standard. And I was quite excited to see that Lethbridge had won an award for its um, recycling, and so I read that award. And let me tell you what kind of things were on there. Uh, a second scale at the landfill, um, indoor recycling place so people's stuff didn't blow away in the wind, uh, electronic waste drop-off. These are all really good things, but they're not innovative. There are people uh, working in the city that are environmentalists. They have good ideas, and they need to be championed. They need to have a master plan and somebody who is going to uh, work as their advocate and allow them to be successful. Well, thanks very much, and that brings us to the end of the first part of this evening's session. We're now going to have a 10-minute break, and after the break, we'll have questions from the audience. So would you please all be back by five past eight? Thank you very much.